the richness of, of what I come from. And that is like this incredibly strong woman that sadly when I was younger, I, I couldn't see because I was so like preoccupied with like being embarrassed by this, you know, this woman who had this like heavy Vietnamese accent and like didn't go to teacher parent conferences and, you know, and all the stuff that you're taught, like, oh, that's what a parent is supposed to be. My mom wasn't, she was a single mom a single immigrant mom trying to raise three kids in a new country. And I wasn't able to see like her strength. I was just, I, all I could see was the fact that like, I didn't have, you know, you know, Lunchables in my lunch. You're listening to Stories of the Vietnamese Boat People. Hi, I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng and welcome back. Hi, I'm Sao Ling Nguyen, associate producer for Vietnamese Boat People. I'm filling in for Tracy for this episode. Last year, Kevin Jung, a photographer, journalist, and filmmaker whose work centers around the Asian American experience, reached out to our organization. Kevin is working on his first feature-length documentary called My American, My spelled M-A-I. The project has received support from some very notable institutions, including the Sundance Institute, MacArthur Foundation, and the Center for Asian American Media, just to name a few. Last year, Kevin invited Vietnamese boat people to join him at a summit hosted by the Asian American Documentary Network and Haverford College in Philadelphia. Kevin was one of three filmmakers chosen to workshop their projects that weekend. For the past 10 years, he's been working on My American, which follows the journey of his mother, Tot Mai, as she writes down her life story. I was actually born in a refugee camp. So I was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. My mom was um, a boat person. Um, and I spent the first eight months of my life um, there in the refugee camp. And then we immigrated to, to Portland, Oregon. And I grew up in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Um, so Oregon is my, my home state. My American is about a 70-year-old Vietnamese-American refugee living in Oregon who writes down her life story, indelibly shaped by the war in Vietnam. As she shares what she has learned with her filmmaker son, they begin separate but parallel journeys, confronting the traumas of their past and the emotional divide in their present. This film is more than just a story about a Vietnamese refugee or the immigrant experience. It is an American story. And at the heart of it, a story about the relationship between a mother and her son. Here's a conversation between Kevin and Tracy. My birth given name is Hoang, which, if I'm correct, is spelled H-O-A-N-G. But for some reason, when I was born, it was on the birth certificate or on the certificate, it was spelled Hong. H-O-N-G, which is actually a, a female name, right? But then, so when I was in the third grade, um, we, we got American names or whatnot, I guess not. The, the way I ended up with Kevin is my sister liked a boy named Kevin. My older sister liked a boy named Kevin. So we chose Kevin and that's how I got Kevin. I wonder what kind of effect that had on third grade me, right? To kind of one day be Huang and the next day show up to school and be, hey, my name is Kevin. You know, like, I wonder if that kind of... Do you remember at all? I remember going to court and like, and so it was, it's all official. But I do remember I was teased a lot. And we were, I was just, yeah, I was teased a lot. It, my, you know, my name was Huang Trong, Trung, or, you know, it just became like Wong Trong, you know, Ching Chong, all the yeah. things that kids 
say. So I would imagine, you know, maybe there was a sense of relief. I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I did remember kind of like general thoughts of like people being kind of like confused and still like taking a while to adjust to calling me Kevin, even though Kevin was probably easier for them to say. <laughs> so very similar yeah. to you, like I started school as doing on, but you know, Americans were like Chuang on. And just as you said, there yeah. was like yeah. many variations and ways to make fun of that, but we had moved and then I had to switch schools and my sister said, let's rename you. And I think at the time, it's either Growing Pains or Family Ties yeah. that had the actress Tracy Goldberg. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> my sister. I think, was, I think it was Growing Pains, was right? It? Or wait. No, wait. Is this the one that is the um, the sister of Kurt Cameron? No. It's, I don't, it I don't was know. one of those shows, but I, I think you're right. It was Growing Pains. <laughs> But my sister was obsessed with the show, show, my older sister. And she was like, you know, TR, Tracy, it's kind of like Chuang on. Let's just go with that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So both our older sisters named us. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I was-, I was like seven. Like, what did I know? I'm just like, sure. Whatever yeah. like thing that my friends can pronounce, right? I don't even care. But no, it's interesting because I really... I mean, the sad reality is I felt like if my name hadn't, it wasn't Kevin, I think, you know, people would receive me differently. Right. You know, I think people would hesitate kind of in like when, when they met me and trying to pronounce my name and all that thing. So, so my mom came from Saigon. Um, So she fled Christmas Eve, 1981. And at the time she had two older sisters and she was pregnant with me. She was pregnant with me at the time. She was from Saigon, but they left from Vong Tao. And I think a lot of people leave from Vong Tao. The story is very similar. I, I hate to say very similar, but very similar in how like horrible and hard it was for her to during that journey and the hardships they went through. I think that the total trip, the total time of the trip was 11 days. And then, you know, a few days into the trip, their boat was attacked by Thai pirates and they stole their food and their gold. But like more, most devastatingly, they, they stole the motor off of their boat. Um, so without a motor, the refugees were left drifting, you know, somewhere between the the life they fled and the life they they hoped for. And I think there were about 60 of them. And because Vietnam was the, the closest of the shores, some of them wanted to go back. But others feared if they went back, they would um, they would be persecuted. So they actually took a vote. But yeah, so they voted and they voted that they would rather die than go back to, to Vietnam. So they continued. And the next, I think it was the next day, actually, their boat was attacked again by Thai pirates. Um, but because the first um, pirates had stolen everything, there was nothing left to take. These pirates took it out on the on the on the refugees and and sadly they they beat some of the men and, and they raped some of the women. Um, so it was very, very horrible. And then luckily because many of the refugees were fishermen, they they realized that they could um, create a sail out of the, the bags of rice that had the, the, the bags that had been used to carry carry the rice. So so they created a sail and at least they were going in like some direction, right? Instead of just uh, drifting aimlessly. And then I think it, if I remember correctly, like on the sixth or the seventh day, they ran out of food and then and then they not too long after they ran out of water. Kevin's mom was about two months pregnant with him at the time of her escape. They were at sea for 10 days before they saw land. My mom like describes how like for you know ten days I mean, all she, all she saw was like nothing but like a horizon of water, 
And, you know, it, it's both like really beautiful, but also really terrifying. But it was on that 10th day that they saw like a tiny crest of mountains in the distance. And that was Malaysia. And then on the 11th day, um, they they finally were brought to shore. I think on I think when they first were spotted, they were spotted by like Malaysian fishermen. And I think it was my sister that said that like the fishermen like made like an X with their arms because like they weren't allowed like, to bring them in because I don't think um, the local um, people were able to help. Um, but then eventually, I think a government boat brought them in. And this is this is kind of the I feel like the best part of the story. But my mom says like the best meal that she's ever had in her entire life, and she's in her 70s now, um, was that first meal that they had after they got off the boat. And it was a meal of, of ramen noodles. So like, it just kind of gives perspective on like, on, on life, I guess, on a lot of things. So they landed, I think like where, again, where a lot of Vietnamese people landed in, in Pulau Bidong in, in, in Malaysia. And they spent uh, a few, I think a few months there, and then they were moved to Kuala Lumpur, and then I was born. After that, they, this, the, there was a third refugee camp, I think, in the Philippines before they we headed to the United States. But my mom is super Catholic. There must have been a few days where she didn't eat, she didn't drink water, and she was pregnant with me. And so she thinks it's very much a miracle that I survived um, the journey and that it was for a purpose. So. I came to Oregon and when I was eight months and then I was, you know, I'm American. I was raised in the United States. I was raised by a refugee woman. Right. And, and we had very much the refugee experience when we came to the United States, but I was still American. And like, I was just trying to be, you know, quote unquote, as American as possible. So that like really like amazing story that I just shared about like my history is born. It just became like this asterisk in my life. I really didn't think about it when I was growing up. To be quite honest, I like ran away from it because I didn't, I wanted to be like everyone else and everyone else in my neighborhood wasn't born in a refugee camp, right? They were born at like Providence and Beaverton or something. So it wasn't until I became older that I was really kind of, I guess, come back, come back home in a sense to like my my history and my story um, and, and my mom's story. At what point in your adult life did you start to gravitate back to that history? When I was growing up, I was ashamed of two things. I was ashamed of being gay and I was ashamed of being Asian American or Vietnamese, right? And in my head, you know, and mind you, I'm 40. So this was like the the, the 80s and the 90s. Like being ashamed of my queerness to me, it made sense because like people were telling me it was wrong to be gay, right? Like I was hearing it, you know, when, you know, when your friends would be like, oh, that's so gay. And that was meant to connotate something bad or, or wrong, right? Also, like I, like I said, I was very Catholic and in, in, in so many ways I was told, you know, it was, it was wrong to be, to be gay. I was never wrong. I was never told it was like wrong to be, you know, Vietnamese or Asian American. I was just, you know, being laughed at right or I was just being teased or I was just like you know people were like mispronouncing my name or like you know like I was you know I would see like stuff on tv and I was and, and I was being made into a caricature right so I was never told it was wrong to be Asian American but I still felt this like self-hate when I started to like unlearn the self-hate that I 
that I had had for being queer, that was like in my early 20s, right? That was when the process of me like coming out and like, and there was a process in place, right? Like I, you know, I, I came out to my friends, I started, you know, going to pride parades, I started dating, eventually I came out to my family. And like, I felt like there was a process for me to kind of, you know, become more comfortable in my skin with my queerness. You know, my early 30s that I really, or maybe even my mid 30s, that I really started to unlearn the self-hate that I had for being Vietnamese and Asian American because I just, I never knew it was there. Right? I didn't realize it was there until I just kind of started seeing kind of patterns in my own behavior and my thought that made me realize that like I had this like this viewpoint that about my Asian identity that I wanted to 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 change. And so and I think again a big part of that really was just kind of like finding that power and my history. Whenever I would like write like a college application or a scholarship application, I would always start with, I was born in a refugee camp, right? Because like that was, um, that just, you know, like that's very compelling. The richness of, of what I come from. And that is like this incredibly strong woman that sadly when I was younger, I, I couldn't see because I was so like preoccupied with like being embarrassed by this, you know, this woman who had this like heavy Vietnamese accent and like didn't go to teacher parent conferences and, you know, and all the stuff that you're taught, like, oh, that's what a parent is supposed to be. My mom wasn't, she was a single mom, right? A single mom, a single immigrant mom trying to raise three kids in a new country. And I wasn't able to see like her strength. I was just able to, all I could see was the fact that like, I didn't have, you know, you know, Lunchables in my lunch, right? Just stuff like that. So I think it was in my 30s that I started to begin that journey of kind of going back, um, trying to um, kind of really, in a sense, atone, I think, atone for like the, the, I don't want to say a horrible kid I was, but I was a pretty horrible kid, but I have to give myself some grace. I think we should all, we should all give ourselves some grace because like my experience isn't, um, I've heard a lot of people had similar experiences and like children aren't they don't naturally other their own parent, right? We're taught to other our, our parent. We're taught we're taught that by kind of again like the neighborhood ki kids who are taunting us. It's not just that we're Asians, but it's the complicated history that comes with being Vietnamese and being a refugee. You know, like our history is um, as a result of a very conflicting war. And it was just so much trauma and complications that our parents experienced. Like, I don't remember when my first conception of the war was, right? Like, I just remember like growing up and like, you know, like wanting, like I'm American. I want to root for the Americans um, in, the, in these films. But the Americans are like, everyone they're killing looks like me. It's, it's difficult, right? It's difficult to kind of, again, like, you're in this halfway between, I feel like, and I actually even recently have only started calling it like the war in Vietnam, you know, because like here it's, it's clearly the, the Vietnam war, but in Vietnam, it's, it's called the American war. That's why I think for like Vietnamese Americans, we, you know, like for so long, you know, I think like this, the storytelling around that conflict yeah. has been from the American perspective, which is usually from the soldiers. Perspective. I also think it's who's telling the story. Right. And yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. so I, I definitely agree that growing up, we were exposed to that one side of the story. I mean, if you talk to um, people that were born and raised in Vietnam and, 
you know, they're, they're, what they were taught is completely different. And yeah, I went to Vietnam for the first time in, I think it was 99 or 2000. I can't remember. But I do remember going to that museum and seeing that it was called the American War. Yeah. And I was so like taken back by that. And then, you know, as I start to learn more about the history, my perceptions change, but I definitely agree. It depends on who's telling the story. My mom experienced something that thankfully, and hopefully I'll never have to experience in this idea of like literally trying to survive, right? Not in the sense of like, like literally trying to survive, like trying to find food for her, her children. And I think when the way she describes it, like sometimes when you are just so like life is so hard and, and so difficult, you just kind of do have to shut down just so you can survive and get through all the hardship, right? When my mom retired, she like wrote down like her life story, not necessarily to publish, but just because I think she wanted to release a lot of this trauma um, that she had gone through in her life. And um, for her, that was like very like cathartic healing process, right? And she was like writing about things that she had never told anybody. And it was a very emotional um, experience for her. But yeah, even if you were to ask her today, I don't know if she would use the word healing. And I think you and I would use the word healing. I don't, I don't think, I can never imagine my mom going to therapy or something like that, right? <laughs> Definitely not a part of their culture, uh, generationally. But she just sat down and she, she's just wrote it all, wrote it all out. She, she wrote it in English and then she went back and she, she, she translated it into Vietnamese. It really was just kind of something for her to do for herself. Um, so it was really beautiful thing it was a kind of um it was um it's it's quite incredible and that actually was the catalyst for for when she started writing her book I actually started to film her it's beautifully written she writes it in English in a way that she doesn't speak English right because I think she um she's naturally she's a really beautiful writer and I think it's really incredible and she did she did say that you know she like had a dictionary with her and she like there's just some very like beautiful prose that like when you read it, it's like, oh, that doesn't sound like how my mom would talk. But I mean, I think that's the whole point of being a writer, right? You don't really write the way you talk. She's of the age that when she was like a teenager into her, her early 20s, um, she um, she remembers like the mm -hmm. Americans coming. And so she worked at the, at the American military bases. And then so when they left in 1975, but I think they started pulling out before that, um, she was just left in a really horrible difficult situation. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really hard time. And I think so my, um, she describes it, you know, the, the period between after um, the war ended in 1975. And um, um, when she fled in 1981, those are she describes as the darkest, darkest days of her life. She she describes like all of all of her experience in the, in the refugee camp as the, the the happiest moments in her life. Right, she had left this hell of a life that she had had um, in Vietnam, and it was like you know it was before you know like America is great, but America is also very difficult. Right, you still, you have to work, and she was a single mom, and there's there's a lot of things that make you know, living in this country, especially as a refugee, very, very difficult. But that period in between, you know, when she was in that refugee camp, you know, and she was just at, the, you know, the precipice of like kind of this new life. Tell me what the film is about. This is my first feature. Like the story has changed so much. You know, there's been so much storytelling about the war in Vietnam, but I feel like there could be an infinite, infinite amount of storytelling because everyone's um, perspective is different. Um, 
And so like she has, again, she has a very unique um, history. But as it as it's evolved, it really has become like as much a story about my own journey, right? Before it was about my mom's journey and her story and her history. But now it's also about my journey and really kind of, again, really toning for the fact, the time that I othered my own mom. When I was younger, I hated being Vietnamese. And my mom was so... Vietnamese. Let's go. Put your coat on. It's cold, Kevin. Well, did you eat anything yet? Are you hungry? I have my clean your butt and my clean your everything. You're going to be so salty. I couldn't see the power in my own history. 30 years ago, I was born in a refugee camp in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. My mom was actually a refugee from Vietnam, and she, she escaped in a, a wooden fishing boat when she was pregnant with me. Or the power in my mom's story. Chapter 20 Chúng tôi cố gắng thoát ra khỏi vòng vây dày đặc lính công an, nhưng rồi tất cả đều bị bắt. Chúng tôi cũng giống như những con thú yếu đuối đáng thương đang bị những con thú có sức mạnh đuổi bắt. Những con mồi. I think in this life you have to walk through your journey. You were born this life, you have to bear the suffer, even a little bit or a lot. Maybe sometimes you have to sit in the discomfort. I told you a normal life is not like my life. I have three children from three men. I know, but you can't say the words. I prefer that you are straight, but you are gay, so. There's like a reckoning between like the both of us in the sense that like we, we've both othered each other um, in different ways. Like she doesn't understand my queerness. And, and like I said, I really, when I was younger, I was just really ran away from my Vietnamese heritage. But at its heart, the film is about a mother and a son that are really trying to to know each other for the first time, even though they've known each other for, in a sense, for the entirety of of my life, so one of our lives. I'm able to have conversations with my mom when I have a camera that I'm not able to have just like sitting at the dinner table, if that makes sense. But for me as a filmmaker, like the camera is like a tool for me to to ask all these questions that you're asking me, right? It's It's a journey for us creatives to kind of do this work. It's, you know, making a film is difficult, but making a personal documentary about your own family is, is quite it's quite quite a challenge I will say <laughs> your comment around it being hard to have a conversation with your mom but when you have the camera all of a sudden you feel like you have the permission to ask these questions I don't know if permission is the right word I, it really is about permission I think that's the right word to that's how I, I would use it and I, I think it's twofold I think definitely um I was actually quite surprised um when I first started filming um how open my mom was in talking about these things and I I felt like again she wanted she wanted to release her story she wanted to like share these things you know that had happened to her for me like especially you know like as a a queer BIPOC person I grew up in very white spaces like I just never felt like people wanted to hear or see me um and I would imagine maybe my mom felt similar I think just having that that interest in sharing their story is important 
something that I'm really concerned about. And I think that all of us should be mindful of is like this idea of like re-traumatizing people and bringing up these really horrible things. But again, like there's a beauty in releasing these stories because sometimes when you don't share about them or you don't talk about them, I'll only speak for myself. You know, I haven't, I haven't gone through anything close to what my mom has gone through, but you know, I've gone through some stuff. And sometimes when you don't talk about it, it's just like, it like infects, like infects your body, right? It rots your body. So I I think there's a very beautiful thing about like releasing it and sharing, sharing it. The film is called My American and it's made up of, up of a lot of different components. A lot of it is like cinema verite. So cinema verite is what you would imagine to be kind of like fly on the wall scenes where like, it's just me like filming my mom, like making an egg roll or things like that. Um, no one's in the room, which is kind of witnessing this woman, like making egg rolls or whatever. There's a, um, and then there's a lot of it, which I call kind of like beautifully shot home movies. So I'm trained as a, a, a cinema, as a DP, a director of photography. I know how to use a camera. So there's a lot of shots where like, I'm basically like you, you feel my presence because like you hear me talking to my mom. She's talking to me from in front of the camera. I'm from behind the camera. So it's like kind of like think like camcordy, like home video type stuff, but like they're beautifully shot and beautifully framed. But my presence is definitely, definitely known. Um, so there's that. I have some like archival video. My sister, my oldest sister had a camcorder in like the late 90s, early 2000s. So there's like very like there's like very limited like home video stuff, but it's always a treasure when you have that. There's a lot of um, personal photographs. It's like, again, part of the archive. Um, I've started to um, incorporate illustrations and, and, and some animation. The interesting um, kind of um, narrative device I'm using um, using in the film is my mom's writing in, in her, her book, right? Again, it's important for me that like my mom tell her story in her own words. And so like my mom literally wrote down her story in her own words. So I'm utilizing that. So there are sections where she'll be reading from the book. And the interesting thing is, when I first started making the film, I had to read um, in English just because I understand English, but like it just didn't, it didn't hit the ear right. But now I'm just having her read excerpts and I'm having her read excerpts in Vietnamese and it just works so much better just because it's like Vietnamese is more beautiful. It sounds, it's, it's prettier yeah. to the ears in my opinion. Um, and, and, it, and also it's her, it's her first language. So like, it's just like, it just works better. When I first like um, titled the film, and like, and that was, it was, I think it was, if I remember correctly, I think it was like during the pandemic and, you know, I was living in New York city and no one knew what was going on. And there was all this like anti-Asian sentiment, which wasn't new. I mean, it's always, it's always been there, but it's because like, but for me, like, I, like, you know, I always, in a sense, kind of felt like a foreigner in my own country. Right. Like my American was like a play on, 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 on the name. And then also this idea that like, you know, when I first started the film, it really was about like this idea of really kind of like emphasizing that like this is a refugee story, this is a Vietnamese story, but this is very much at its heart, it's an American story because we're American, right? And like playing on this idea of like what it means to be American and Americanist. But I will say, as the film has progressed, it really the story has become more less about kind of this broader picture and more about just kind of this relationship between a mother and son. Because I really do believe that the more personal a story is, the more universal it becomes. I love that because I think um, then the the fact that your mom experienced war and that we came here as refugees, it's just the backdrop 
of the 100%, story. 100%, yes. Because the story is really about your relationship. Well, don't you feel that same way about your podcast? I mean, I feel like obviously it's all the common thread is that like we're both people, but it's like every story is so, so in it's, it's, it's weird. It's interesting that like it, it's so similar, but also so different. Yeah. Our stories in general are stories about the human spirit, but like anybody can listen to our story and, and relate to them. Yeah. In some respects, there have been a lot of stories about, about, you know, the boat people and about the war in Vietnam, but like every story is so beautifully different and unique. I think that's something that I kind of struggled with before this, like this idea of like, oh, there can only be like one documentary about the war in Vietnam. It's like, no, that's, there can be a, a thousand, right? Like there's room for all of us, for all of us to tell our stories. If you would like to connect with Kevin, follow our Instagram at Vietnamese Boat People and look for details under episode 49. Or visit his website at myamerican.com. Or you can search for his Instagram at myamericanfilm. I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show and want to support our mission, please consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website. Your support helps independent shows like ours continue to amplify stories from our community. And please take a moment to rate us and provide us feedback wherever you listen to the podcast.